Welcome to the Respective Solutions Podcast. Our mission at RSG is to create safe learning environments and support school professionals through resources that make a difference in education. I'm John Lewis, the host of the podcast, and we will be getting to know our Adams County community partners and discuss issues relating to the prevention of youth violence, as this is the Collaborative Violence Prevention Initiative. This podcast is being brought to you by Pennsylvania Taxpayer Dollars. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have Kathy Gaskins today as our guest. She's the executive director of Healthy Adams County. And I can tell you from personal experience, I'm happy that I have some experience with Healthy Adams County because um, I am uh, fortunate to be a board member and have been able to work on some of the uh, committees that they have. And I can tell you that it's a it's a very important group in the community, and it's far-reaching. Uh, and I'm still learning a great deal about how things operate and the partnerships they're in. But I'm glad that Kathy's here because she can help us unpackage that a little bit and understand fully the mission and scope of Healthy Adams County at large. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you, John. Kathy, before we get started, I'd like the audience to get to know you a little bit more. So could you tell us about you? Sure. Uh, well, I've uh, lived in Adams County, oh, I hate to admit, probably longer than 30 years, or at least I've worked in Adams County for 30 years and went to high school here. My parents were actually missionaries. So I grew up in, a, in India and we moved here when I was in eighth grade. So I feel Adams County is definitely my home and I enjoy all the years that I've worked here. Um, I originally came right out of college, started working at um, Survivors Incorporated in domestic violence work, and I was there for 13 years. And while I got my master's in social work, I was able to spend about two and a half years to three years as the director there um, while I was going through my master's program. And then the position came open at Healthy Adams County, and I was very excited to be able to apply for that and and get the position there. So I have a husband and a son. We live in the Fairfield area. Definitely enjoy Adams County. Well, you had said that you were, you're a daughter of missionaries and you were in, you were living in India. Yes. Tell us about that. Oh, it was a, a wonderful experience. I'm glad I grew up there. My, um, Parents were medical missionaries, so my dad worked with leprosy patients. He was a physical therapist, so that was his his uh, master's was in uh, hand therapy. So he worked in helping leprosy patients get their hand back to normal after they, because they get a claw hand when they have leprosy. And so he would stretch the hands out, and then they would have surgery, and they could use their hands again. Um, and my mom was a nurse, and so they went with the Lutheran Church, and they were there for 25 years. Um, so my brothers and I, I have three older brothers, we all went to boarding school um, up in the mountains in India, and they all graduated from high school there. I, we came back when I was in uh, starting uh, eighth grade, and so I came to Gettysburg. We decided to move here because my mom's parents lived in York, um, but we didn't want to live in the city, so we moved here and been here ever since. What was the biggest challenge for you living in India? Um... Well, for me, it wasn't, I don't, wouldn't consider it a challenge because I was born there and, you know, raised there and my friends were, uh, I went to an Indian school for a few years before I went to boarding school. And so it was like normal life for me. 
I think moving here, it was more of a challenge. Um, definitely a culture shock coming back here. We'd come visit my mom's family um, through the years, but when we moved here, it was definitely very different. Um, I wasn't used to, to life here as much. And so that took a while. Luckily, I found a few good friends when I moved here and made it through high school without any, uh, <laughs> without getting too depressed. But you know, I really, I'm glad that I grew up there. It gave you a, definitely a different perspective on, on life and, and people. And I was in the minority growing up there, you know, with my friends, I was white and sometimes got made, made fun of for being white. So it was kind of a different experience, <laughs> but, uh, definitely something I, I am glad that I did. And I was able to, to live there and, and get to know the people in India. They're all very friendly and accommodating, especially in the South where we were. So definitely a good experience. Can you say that people are just people no matter where they are? Yes. I mean, everyone's the same. I mean, you go through the same feelings, the same emotions, and just have a different culture that you live in, I think. But we all have that, those same shared experiences, I think. Yeah, so Maslow had it right. Everyone goes through those same things and has those same needs. And yep, yep. Okay, which can really bring us into healthy Adams County and the things that you do. Can you tell us, Kathy, about the mission of healthy Adams County? Sure. Our mission is to, first of all, do assessment of the community, community health needs assessments. So we're kind of gauging the community and what their needs are, and we do that through uh, research. So we have a, uh, in the past, we've done random digit dial phone surveys. Um, we hire, we'd hi we hired Burwood Yost out of Franklin and Marshall College's Center for Opinion Research, and he's been working with us for the past 10 years. Um, they have a call center there, so we develop a list of questions that our, his call center has used, and we have a certain number that we've, we've, gone to. I think a couple years we were able to get about 800 surveys. Sometimes the last time was 400. So asking those questions. In the past, we've also done some focus groups with, group, with uh, different populations in the community to garner that information that we need. And also using secondary data like the Pennsylvania Department of Health and some of the surveys that they've completed and collected. We use data from we're actually this time around going to be using some actual medical records data from WellSpan. So with our new electronic health record data through Epic, we're starting to ask some more questions around social determinants of health, around housing and food insecurity and things. So I think that will be very helpful in us being able to use that data as well. So then we do the assessment. And based on the analysis, um, Burwood Yost has provided us with excellent analysis over the years from those data collections. And we take usually his recommendations, though we do vet it through our, our board at Healthy Adams County, our task force leaders, and other community partners that we work with to kind of go through that data. Is this realistic? Are we you know, doing the right things to address these needs? and getting our kind of pulse on what's going on in the community and testing that out. And so then after the data is complete and we have that analysis, then we um, usually pick about three different priority areas that we want to focus on. 
for the next three years before the next health assessment is completed. And most of the time, those, those uh, priority areas don't change too frequently because <laughs> um, we know that it takes a long time for a lot of those um, needs to kind of uh, come to a solution or you know, for us to meet a certain benchmark or goal, especially with people, for instance, like being overweight. We know that, you know, it's going to take a long time for those rates to come down in our community. And also with levels of people feeling depressed or being diagnosed with depression, um, we know that's going to take a long time for those to, to resolve, if ever. And a subject like domestic violence, I mean, we've had a domestic violence task force under Healthy Adams County for 25 years that we've been in existence so that's the subject you know that never it's a societal issue that until that's re, you know eventually maybe hopefully we'll see a, an end to that but I think it's going to be an issue we'll deal with for a long time so the last needs assessment was 2018 yes right what were those those three areas that we're focusing on at that time so we chose, um, well, I mentioned the overweight obesity rate in our community. Um, I think our focus, not so much to bring that number down, because we know that takes a long time, but more to look at it as a wellness issue. You know, how can we provide people with opportunities, maybe to be more physically active, but also to just to provide opportunities to be social with each other, to feel better about ourselves. Because we really feel like the more people have those opportunities or, um, you know, are feeling like they want to maybe walk outside more or do things that they normally wouldn't do, maybe feel better about themselves, and then maybe eventually those, that weight issue will resolve. But it's more about wellness and providing those opportunities. The second priority area was the dealing with adult depression, though I think we're focusing in more in depth on just mental health in general. But we did see, I think, one in four people in Adams County that were diagnosed with depression. And we had about 53% of people that would say that they had a, an issue, maybe not feeling good about themselves within the last month that prevented them from going to work or doing their normal activities. So that was pretty significant. Maybe not someone that has depression clinical depression, but still feeling really down about themselves. So we chose to work on that. And then the third priority was actually housing, affordable housing, <laughs> more in the lines of social determinants. And this was really before WellSpan decided to really focus on social determinants. And this, I think the past assessment and the one before that, we chose housing and we kind of got some funny looks when we first decided that, you know, why would you decide to work on that? And we're like, well, it's a community issue. You know, our secondary data from Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, or the foundation, the county health rankings really showed we had a really low um, physical environment score. And some of that had to do with affordable housing and the state of housing in Adams County. And so we chose to, to focus on that issue. And one thing nice about Healthy Adams County is we were able to be a convener sometimes of topics that other people really don't want to kind of jump into right away. I think it's because we're more of a neutral agency. We're not sided with one or the other. And so we could bring that topic forward and talk about it as a health issue. You know, we had some medical presenters that talked about and some examples of people 
like in our ED, that they had a patient who had come in several times. I mean, not just several, but kept coming into the ED, um, maybe on a monthly basis and had COPD and so, and wasn't getting any better. And they kind of said, well, why aren't you, you know, we have their medications, you're doing the right thing, but they're not getting better. And so they, after a while, started asking about his physical environment and come to find that he did have a place to live, but he didn't have a bed. And so they (laughs) pulled some money together, bought him a bed, and lo and behold, the emergency visits started going down because he was having a good night's sleep. So you're really looking at the physical environment, and um, many people don't have, you know, a place to live that's affordable. So that does play into their to their health as well. That's a, that's an amazing story. <laughs> he needed a place to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame him. I really don't blame him. I mean, that, that's that's awful. Yeah. So you must have a, a large staff in, in, in order to do this, right? <laughs> no. We actually are better off than some of the other counties. Actually, it's my, so my position at Healthy Adams County, I've been in the position for 15 years. My predecessor had been there for 10, so... I was the first director there, and we were very excited because we actually were able to hire a assistant for the office. So we have one other staff at Healthy Adams County. She's been there actually longer than me, so 18 years with me being there 15, and I always say we have a lot of knowledge between the two of us. So only the two of us, but we do have an immense amount of volunteers and task force leaders that help us to run all of the groups that fall under our umbrella. Um, so, so you get the job done through the task force, which are made up of volunteers. Yes, volunteers. Wow. <laughs> Let's, let, tell us about that. It's, I, I think it's a great setup because the people that come to the task forces are very invested in the topics. Um, we do have some people that kind of come to us because their job is related to the topic. So for instance, like our Adams Women's Cancer Coalition, the the person, the task force leader for that is the nurse navigator at the cancer center. So it's part of her job, but it's also something that she's vested in and making sure that we are, there is a community response to it as well. When I was the task force leader for the domestic violence task force, that's how I first came to Healthy Adams County. I actually chaired that task force and it was an opportunity for an agency that worked on that issue to bring that to the community forefront. So I would be able to bring in people from law enforcement, from the health or from the court system, from the health system to all focus on that issue. And we could do things together, which is something we couldn't do just ourselves at an agency. So those, those opportunities were there. And so I think, you know, it would be great if we had more staff for some things, but I think that that volunteer setup is sometimes the best because you get the people that really want to be there and work on that issue. So you're creating a web of partners to utilize their strengths to, to focus on whatever those areas are. So what are the task forces? How, how many do you have? <laughs> right now, I think we have about 15 that work on different topics. Some of them have been around, like I said, domestic violence, the access committee that we have, a couple other ones that have been around since the very beginning. 
We've had task forces that were around at the beginning that now have met their goals and are no longer, or something else replaced them so they didn't need to continue to meet. For instance, we had a re-entry coalition at one point um, looking at people coming out of prison. Well, then the prison developed a really good re-entry program, so kind of alleviated the need for having us continue. So some of those just are reconciled. And then I would say most of the task forces that we have right now have been around at least five years or more. I think really recent. Our Adams County Food Policy Council is has been extremely busy during COVID. We had arranged for weekly phone calls with school system, local pantries, backpack programs, just to make sure that everyone's needs were being met as far as food. And we had a really good system in place. If the council hadn't been there, I think it would have been a lot harder. Um, but we had been around for 10 years and were put together during the budget impasse back in 2009 when people were really needing food. And so we were glad to have been in place for that long and had those connections. Um, but we have people like the Gleaning Project and SCAP and Campus Kitchens at Gettysburg College and the Farmer's Market and many others sit at the table. And so we were able to prioritize making sure that everybody in our county has access to food. And we've created our own food programs that are able to meet not everyone's needs, but really shining a light on the issue. And we're able to help SNAP recipients at Kenny's Markets, you know, get 50% off their fruits and vegetables. We have a healthy options program that works with people that we call the food gap. And so they are able to get vouchers to shop at the market in the summer and Kenny's in the winter. So we have those partnering programs that really work with us, like Kenny's and the market, to make sure that we can implement the programs. Some of our other task forces, like behavioral health, I know you sit on that as well. And that's a good platform to kind of talk about what the needs are in the community and how we can address some of those um, self-care kind of things. So we know that access is an issue for mental health. Um, not having enough providers in our community. And so how do we make available some education, some programs that can help people kind of wait as they're, as they're waiting to get into maybe a therapist that they can um, partake in some of what we have to offer. Um, so that task force, other ones we've had in the past, oral health, looking at oral health needs in the community. I spent an immense amount of time when I first started with them, (laughs) working with uh, bringing Family First Health into our community. They were able to help immensely with the dental health needs because they were able to see people who were on Medicaid and also were uninsured, and so they have a self-pay program. So that was a huge piece that I worked on when I first came. Other task forces, health literacy is another one. I always try to think of them all in my head, but just working on a whole gamut of different needs that we've either seen in past health assessments or still active. We used to have a housing task force under Healthy Adams County, but that's we've kind of eliminated that with the onset of the at-home Adams County Coalition, and we're happy to turn that you know one issue over to them, and but still being at the table and being a partner because that's what we feel it's all about in our community is establishing those partnerships and working together to make sure that we address everything. What do you see in your needs analysis and your needs assessment? Are there any significant gaps of services that you find? 
I mean, as I said, we see things like the lack of providers, which is something we feel maybe we can't do as much about. I mean, we can advocate and we can try to make sure that that maybe is looked at. Um, and I think it's been frustrating for, for many years since I've been at Healthy Adams County to see that not being addressed. But I feel like we can take on that role of providing something in the interim as we're waiting and really trying to address what what people really do need. You know, I think we've worked on access and been successful. I mean, there's still issues, definitely, but we're so much better than we were when I started 15 years ago. And I always like to give kudos to Wellspan as well, because they have really opened up health services for this area and made specialists available, whereas that wasn't that available when it was just the Gettysburg Hospital. Um, And sometimes people see it as a huge health system. Maybe that's not a good thing. But Wellspan's always been very generous in giving back to the communities that they're in. And they provide, you know, the salaries for myself and my assistant they pay for all of our operations. And so that frees us up to really spend our time focusing on the programs and the, the uh, assessment and, and meeting those needs in the community. So all the grants that we write for, we don't have to put in an administrative fee for those because all of that money goes directly into the programs then, which is huge. What do you see as a problem in accessing resources or services? I think some of it is, I always found that in Adams County, communication has been a huge issue. We have so many partners working together, but I think we've always been challenged in getting the word out to people about what is there. Our health literacy task force is actually working on a program right now to kind of identify agencies and ask them to provide information that we can widely share with the hospital departments and with agencies in the community, because I think uh, we felt that there's some some people in the community that aren't as willing to partner as others, and so there may be some gaps there. Whether that's, and I don't think it's, you know, that they're saying, oh, we don't want to play with the community, but I think it's just being overwhelmed and having so much of a caseload that they really can't spend that time building those partnerships. But I think people get left out. They We called our last poster we did the runaround because... You know, people are told, well, go to this agency, go to the churches to ask for help. And then they go there and they say, well, we can't help you. And so I think it's just that natural, let's get them out the door. I'll tell them to go here. Um, But they may not necessarily know what's offered at that agency or have the time to even look to see. So how do we kind of repair some of that or provide the mechanism or how we can share that information and make it a little easier for providers and for people partaking in services or getting that help. So I think that's one issue that I've kind of seen over the years. I mean, we have so much, I think, feel like we have a lot to offer with Healthy Adams County, but sometimes I feel like there's people out there that don't even know who we are or what we're offering. So how do we start um, navigating and getting that word out? It's always been a challenge in our county, even though I feel like people are used to sharing resources and partnering to make it easier for people. That's an incredible reach. And you're right, you're working behind the scenes, putting in people and and expertise into position to create protective factors within our community. There's a tremendous booklet that you put together as well. 
Isn't that coming out soon? Yep. Yep. We do have a, a behavioral health guide. So that lists all the behavioral health providers in the community has some extra information um, that we provide around suicide prevention and um, knowing the warning signs, that kind of thing, um, all in one, one location. Um, we also do an end of life resource guide as well. Um, one of our end of one of the task forces end of life committee. Um, we've found that there's so many different things that people need to know, you know, if they have loved ones or even themselves looking at end of life and how to prepare for that to make it easier on their families. And so we've provided resources around funeral planning and hospice care and in-home providers. Like what questions do you ask to find a really good hospice provider? Um, so it's all listed in that booklet for people. And then we also developed a youth behavioral health guide as well. It's similar to the adult one, but it has some different resources in there that are geared more towards youth and um, to adults. How do you see the pandemic impacting the community? Well, I think it's really brought to, to light a lot of, um, especially with, with mental health and people being isolated during the pandemic. I know social isolation has been a huge concern. Um, we've heard that from churches and from uh, other agencies, and particularly Office for Aging, and talking about their uh, the elderly population and not being able to, you know, especially since they don't use technology as much and being able to keep in touch with people, um, that was a huge concern. And I think we'll still see the effects of that moving forward. And, and then kids not being in school, you know, that's been tough. And for families and how to deal with having people at home all the time, you know, and it's such a difference out of the normal routine. And how do you deal with all the feelings and the grief that came along with having to deal with everything everyone's had to deal with this past year? We've done a few surveys through our Food Policy Council and talking about access to food, but we also asked about social isolation. And that was one of the main things that people brought forth. They did feel that they had access to food, so at least we felt like we were doing something <laughs> right and where people were able to get what they needed. So that was good information. But I, yeah, on the, you know, I think mental health is definitely a topic that we're going to have to to continue to talk with people and make sure that people have the access to what they need um, to be able to talk about what's what's been happening. Now, I understand that you are bringing something to the community's awareness in a uh, series of documentaries. It's coming up, and the first one is called Angst. Yes. Can, can you tell us about that? Sure. So um, our Behavioral Health Task Force is talking about how we can be more involved with um, on the youth side because we spend so much time working with uh, the adult side. And we thought this would be a perfect time to kind of delve into that since the schools have been you know, on different schedules and kids being out of school and all the issues happening would be good to address some different topics. And a person that sits on our task force had recently seen the movie Angst and thought that would be a really good one to start with. I reached out to Indie Films, who owns the rights to the film, and they were telling me about a couple of other films that kind of went along with that one. And so we uh, checked them out. We were able to get a preview of the movie Angst, which is about anxiety, um, which I think is huge. And we've even been hearing that in the last couple of years from crisis 
workers and from therapists who are sitting on the task force that this is an issue that we need to address, especially with youth. Um, And so we thought this would be a perfect time to show the film. Um, So May 16th at 1 o'clock, it's a Sunday afternoon, we thought would be a good time to preview it for the community. And so we'll have a live virtual screening. And then we also have a local panel of about four people that will sit on the panel and talk about local resources. And that will happen immediately following the film at two o'clock. We have a flyer that's out there. Um, You certainly can call our office number if you're interested in in, um, watching the film and we can send you the information. Um, You have to hit the link and then it'll give you access to the film and to uh, um, to the panel. The other two films that we hope to show, one this summer and maybe hopefully one in the fall, maybe back in the schools. One is about, oh, social media, and the third one is about cyberbullying. So definitely topics that need to be addressed and talked about because of all of the um, you know, issues we've seen derive from those leading, you know, kids to contemplate suicide or feeling horribly about themselves because of what they've seen on social media or being bullied through those avenues. So definitely topics that we want to want to address. Yes. And we know through the, the pays, uh, the Pennsylvania youth assessment, we, we know that the survey tells us that there is a a percentage of kids that, um, as a result of their experience with, with cyberbullying, social media harassment, those kinds of things, that they uh, don't want to come to school. Yeah. And, you know, social media is a constant thing. It's constant. There's no rest from it. Deal was just the anxiety now that, that seems to exist and what kids are going through, particularly with the pandemic. Yeah. They've been isolated as well, and uh, this is new waters. We have never navigated anything mm-hmm. like this before. So. Yeah. Awareness and understanding what strategies and resources are there to deal with those things are very important. Well, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that and seeing the other, other documentaries. So, you, again, you, your vision is long. It's big. It's wide. And, and you have a lot of impact in the community. Is there anything that you could say, if I, if I could have this, what would it be? What would you want to have? Well, I think, you know, I've seen over the past 15 years, when I first started, it was even the health system would be kind of like, okay, you do your thing over here. You're dealing with community health and community needs, and you do what you need to do. And over the years, I've seen a change with the health system and saying, oh, well, we know that someone who's, you know, ill um, or has a chronic illness a lot of what they're going through had something to do with their environment. But they're starting to make those connections. And so now we have the hospital asking patients, Are you, do you need help at home with food? Do you have a place to live? Do you, need, do you need help with that? And so they're starting to make those connections. I think the closer we get to everybody making those connections and working together, the quicker we're going to find solutions to all of those. Um, And I've seen a huge increase in the number of people being helped because the hospital is now asking those questions. I mean, we did that with domestic violence and asking people to get screened to see if they're being abused. And now we're starting to delve into more of those social determinants. 
And so if people feel that they're going to be able to receive help or get the things they need by opening up and yes, I do need help. Okay, then we can make you healthier in the long run as well. And so I think the more agencies and the more um, people make those connections, the quicker, as I said, we will find solutions. If you had a call to action, you know, for the members of our community, what would that be? I would say educate yourselves on everybody that lives in your community. The best training I think I ever took was Megan Shreve's Bridges Out of Poverty training. And she really brought home, you know, these, these are the differences between all of the different classes in our community and how we see things and how we learn from each other. And I would recommend anyone to take that training or take go through a poverty simulation um, to really understand what people are going through in our community. Because I, I don't think people really understand what people are going through. And because you live in your world and you know people you work with directly or are friends with directly don't have those problems, you don't often see that other people are going through them. And the more we educate ourselves, the more we take education like a QPR training, how to help someone who's contemplating suicide or under, understanding mental health. The more knowledge you have and the more skills you have, the more you can help. Um, we can help each other. So I think, you know, outside of being an agency helping people, if we have everybody kind of looking out for each other, the farther we get. And that's really what I like about Healthy Adams County, because everyone involved in it is doing just that. They're working together to help everyone. There's never, eno there's never enough money. There's never enough time. There's so many things to do. And, and working together to get the job done really, really creates more strength to reach those goals that you have. And that's, that's fantastic stuff. So how does one get in touch with you? Uh, your office to um, find out more, or maybe volunteer. Um, you can call us directly. We're both my assistant and I are working part time from home. We come into the office though, and we can get messages right away. But you can call our office. That number is seven one seven three three seven four one three seven. Again, that's seven one seven three three seven four one three seven. You can also uh, email us. Uh, both of us have Wellspan e emails. Mine's easy, kgaskin at wellspan.org. So you feel free to email me. I would send you to our website right now, and you can still do that, but it's woefully out of date. We're working with uh, Wellspan to get that updated this year for our 25th anniversary. That was my one goal. <laughs> and we've started that process. So hopefully we'll have a new updated website that you can get more up-to-date information about our task forces. But you can call if you have interest in any of the areas that we talked about today. I can put you in touch with task force leaders and get you started working with one of the groups. And you can just come and try it out. You don't have to commit to, <laughs> you know, monthly meetings or whatever you feel comfortable doing. So we're certainly welcome to anybody coming and helping in the areas that we, that we work with. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing, and thanks for spending time with us. Really enlightening us about the work that you and Healthy Adams County is doing. Well, thanks, John. Thanks. thanks for letting us have that opportunity. Take care. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. 
You can find out more about the Respective Solutions Group on the web at www.respectivesolutions.com. You can also find the RSG podcast series on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.